to share something for a while this morning. Um, I'm going to talk a bit on David this morning, a few aspects of David this morning. And um, you know what? David had, had an amazing friend. And yeah, that friend was called Jonathan. Friends are important. Okay? It's important to have, have friends. But you know, I've learned over the years that there's, there's friends you have because you're, you're friendly. Okay? You know, the Bible says if you want to have friends, what have you to do? Show yourself friendly. There's a lot of people who say, I have no friends, but they don't talk to anybody. You know, they, they never make the effort to even say hello to someone. And if you don't talk to anybody, you're never going to have any friends. And some people say, I'm socia sociably awkward. You'll probably not be more sociably awkward than me. Okay? Now, I may preach and be loud and all the rest of it whenever I preach. But I'm telling you, you want to see me when I meet someone for the first time. It's an experience. Okay? Actually, when I'm talking to someone for the first time, my kids stand behind them sometimes and laugh at me. Because they know how awkward I feel. The sweats start coming. I start mixing up my words and all of those kind of things. But you know what? Even in spite of all that, I'll still go and say hello to people. Because if you want to have friends, you have to show yourself friendly, okay? And there is friends that you can have, you know, just because you're friendly with them, how you do and all the rest of it. But you know what? There are then friends that are like divine friendships that God brings into your life. And I'm telling you, that's completely different. And you see with Jonathan and David, that was a God friendship. It was a friendship where them two guys, when they came together, there was something happened between those two. And it was like their, their souls just were fused into one. And I know, like, you know, there's people in our generation, they want to use David and Jonathan's story um, to, to try and um, fit an agenda that they said that their love was an intimate, a wrong kind of love. But that is not true. This was a, a friendship of where it was camaraderie between these two. These two just connected. Okay? And the Bible lets us know about these guys. And it says, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 18, it lets us know that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And what happened was they made a covenant. Okay? Now, we don't think covenant in our, in our world. We don't know what a covenant really is in our world. But you know, in, in these societies, what a covenant was, is where you would cut each other's hands. And you would let the blood flow and mingle so that Jews were one. And I'm telling you, you see, that covenant, it couldn't be broken. It was a binding covenant. You know what? Thank God we took communion this morning. Do you know what that is? That is a covenant with God that cannot be broken. Amen. Once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're in covenant with God. Amen? And then if you read here what, what Jonathan done, was then Jonathan took off his robes. And you know, he was a king's son. And that represented, you know, his privileges, his authority, his backing, and all of those kind of things. And he took them off and put, or put them on to David. And what that is saying is, what is mine is yours. Whatever I have belongs to you. Let me tell you, when you get saved, you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Everything that belongs to God now belongs to you. 
That's why the Bible says things present and things to come. Everything is yours. Everything that the father has is yours. That's why the, the prodigal son, the father says, everything is yours. Amen. Everything, even to the son who was complaining, he said, everything in my house belongs to you. Everything in the father's house belongs to you. Amen. His joy is yours. His peace is yours. His love is yours. His provision is yours. My God supplies all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. You have God's backing. And then another thing that He did was He gave Him His weapons. Do you know what that means? I'll defend you. I'll fight with you. If somebody comes against you, they come against me. Amen. Amen. That's what that means. Let me tell you, the Bible says God is for you and not against you. As a believer, God is not fighting against you. As a believer, God is fighting for you. Amen. God is against whatever is against you. It's the thief who comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Let me tell you, God's fighting for you. Many of you know you have God's weapons today. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You have this word, this word. You know, when it talks about strongholds, or, you know, yes, there is strongholds with demonic stuff, but I'll tell you, the biggest fight you will face is the strongholds in between your ears. You either win or lose between your ears. And when it talks about pulling down strongholds, what does it talk about? Taking down imaginations and thoughts and every high thing that exalts itself against the, the Word of God. You have the Word of God that becomes a helmet for you that protects your thinking. Amen. Do you know what it's like? It's like, it's like WWF or it's like UFC. And do you know what? Whenever um, the devil comes with his thoughts, you, I'll tell you, take those thoughts and you pin them down in Jesus' name. Because you have the word of God. It's like the fight is on, but I have the weapons of his warfare. Amen. To be able to, or the weapons to be able to come against the warfare of the enemy coming against me because I have God's weapons and God is fighting for me. Amen. You know, we have the armor of who? God. Amen. You know what? We, we're in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in covenant with God Almighty because of the blood of His cross. Praise God. I tell you, we are blessed. Amen. You have the armor of God. I tell you, the enemy comes, but you have the armor of God. The Bible tells us we have the belt of truth. You have the truth of God's Word. Amen. The, de the devil comes with his lies, but you can turn around and say, God says, I'm an overcomer, and that's the truth. Amen. He, it doesn't matter what he comes again. He'll come with lies, but you have the truth of God's word. You have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that lets you know that you have peace with God because of Jesus Christ. You have sure footing whenever the enemy comes against you. Do you ever have the enemy tell you, you're not a child of God? You stand there and say, I'm in I've been reconciled to my father. He, he can't sweep your feet from under you. Amen. Most Christians, they're, um, they're, their feet go because someone tells them you've lost your salvation because of your sin. Let me tell you, we were saved by His grace. Amen. We were saved by His grace. It wasn't based on your goodness to save you and you won't lose your salvation because of your badness. It has nothing to do with your performance but everything to do with Jesus' grace. Amen. Amen. Does that mean to say go and live a sinful life? No, that means to find out who you are. It'll change your life. Amen. 
God will not call you as you see yourself. He'll call you as He sees you. Amen. Then you put on the breastplate of righteousness. That means you have right standing with God. You live your life knowing I'm in right standing with God because He gave me His armor. Amen. I have right relationship with God. I'm not righteous because of how good I am. I'm righteous because He made me righteous. He took my sin and gave me His righteousness. It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with a covenant that I got in on. Amen. And my soul has been fused with His. My spirit has been fused with His. We are one. Praise God. Amen. So you have that breastplate of righteousness. Then you have the shield of faith. And it quenches how many of the fiery darts? All the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith is your ability to trust God. No matter what comes against you, you can trust God. The enemy comes and you trust God. You stand and say, I'm telling you, I'm trusting God. I'm coming out the other side of the same man. The enemy tries to put fire in you, those fiery darts. But you stand there full of the fire of God. You stand there full of the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And you trust God. Then you have the helmet of salvation, as we said, that protects your thoughts. And then you have the sword of the Spirit to where you can speak God's Word. You are in agreement with God. When you speak in agreement with God, it's a double-edged sword because you're saying what God says. God says it and you say it and there's power. Amen. I tell you, we have the armor of God. And on top of all of that, we have heaven fighting for us. We have angels that fight for us. They're all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. You have angels fighting for you. Praise God. When you start thinking like that, you realize I can't lose. Amen. No weapon formed against me can prosper. The weapons may come, but they can't prosper. Do you know what it means to prosper? It means to meet its intended end. Amen. We've all had things come against us in life. We've all experienced things. But you don't have to let that stop you. Okay? Now, thank God we are in covenant with Almighty God. But you know what? Back to this story here. You know what? David and Jonathan, they had that relationship. And do you know what it was? If you look at Jonathan's life, Jonathan was a warrior and so was David. Jonathan had a fight in him. And he's seen something in David that, that they, they connected. I'm telling you, you see, in church, we're family. And there's something that connects us together. It doesn't matter what background you were. It doesn't matter even on this island if you, if you were brought up, you know, a Protestant or Catholic. You know, you were brought up, you know, believing in, you're part of Britain or believing in an All-Ireland. It doesn't matter all of those things. You can, yes, you can have your ideas and all of those kind of things. But we have something bigger when we get saved. When we get saved, we have a new cause and it's the kingdom of God. Amen. And we have the love of God, which allows us to love each other. And it's amazing that you can love people that you once hated because of the love of God. Do you know why? Because when you get saved, you have God in you now. There's something bigger. We're living for, not for a temporary thing. We're now living for eternal things. Amen. 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 And so there's something that unites us all together. And that is the move of God. I tell you, we are connected, you know, from all different backgrounds. Praise God, people from different countries and stuff uh, that come to Ireland now. And you know what? This now becomes their home. But you know what? When we're saved, we're all family. We're all part of the kingdom of God. It's just amazing what God does in the family of God. It is amazing. But you know what? Here's the sad thing about this story. This friendship got hindered. 
And it got hindered because of a jealous man called Saul. And, you know, Saul was jealous of David, even though David got the victory for the kingdom. A young man. And what happened was Saul became very jealous of David. You know, I've heard some rough songs in my time, okay? But I've never heard a killer song. But I'm telling you, there was a killer song because the women started to sing a song and it put a, a death in Saul towards David to where he wanted him dead. Do you know, have you ever heard a song where you wanted to kill somebody at the end of it? But the women came back after the battle and what did they start singing? Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed what? His ten thousands. And you know what? Saul got really jealous of David. And what happened was the Bible says he eyed him from that moment. He eyed him. He, he got a real jealous. He got envious of, of David. And you know, David was oblivious. David loved Saul. David would have done anything for Saul. And David loved Jonathan and would have done anything for Jonathan. And just before I move on, here's a wonderful deal in that. See in that covenant? Do you see whenever, do you see whenever Jonathan received or give David his weapons. Do you know David saying, I give you mine, I give you my clothes. And he, he hadn't the same to give. But in covenant, what's yours is mine and what's mine's yours. Do you know what? When we came to God, we, we had nothing to give. But we had everything to gain. Amen. 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 That's the power of a covenant. Actually, uh, uh, if you want to look at covenants, go and read the life of David Livingstone. When David Livingstone went to Africa, he learned that if he cut a covenant with the chiefs of the tribes, that it would give him open doors. Because people knew that whenever he went into a camp or into a tribe or whatever, when he had that covenant and went in, it wasn't just David, or sorry, it was David, David Livingstone. It wasn't just David Livingstone walking in there. What it was, was that whole tribe backing him. So there's a story there, if you read a book, where he had a, a spear. And that was from one of the tribes. And he, because he carried that everywhere he went, it opened doors for him. Because of a covenant, the power of a covenant. And you know, David Livingstone had nothing to give of himself. But he gained access everywhere he went. It's powerful. And we have a covenant with God. Amen. Amen. But as I say, Saul got jealous, came against, against David. But you know what? Jonathan kept protecting David. Kept telling him, my father's trying to kill you. And David would be like, no way. Because David couldn't see it. But then after a while he did whenever javelins were coming at him and stuff. And, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, and, and he, he, got, he ended up, he got out of there, he ended up on the run. And you know what, and he ended up in a place through time, he ended up in Gath, where Goliath was from. And the Bible lets us know that he had to act mad to save his life. And he was in a really low place. Because of a jealous man who got in between a friendship. And you know what? There's, there's many of us, we've had good friends over the years and it's been hindered. You ever had a good friend and then it's been hindered? And you know what? It hurts. It hurts deep. But I want to show you today that if you've ever been hurt, 
Do not let that ever stop you from going on and doing great things. Friends are powerful. But I'm telling you, you have a friend in Jesus. And I tell you, people might let you down in life. People might hurt you in life. But I'm telling you, he'll never let you down. And you see, for us, let me tell you, we have no excuse for not going on because we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm telling you, people might let you down in life, but God will never let you down. I have found this here, you know what, whenever I've been in situations where I've been hurt or whatever, I've found if you draw close to him, it's not that he's distant, he's with us, he's in us. But there's an awareness where you come close to God and you say, God, I need you more than I ever did. And you find that he is close to the brokenhearted. And what you do is you get experience with God and he strengthens you. And when you walk with him, you realize that he'll be with you through thick and thin. He'll be with you when there's a crowd. He'll be with you when you're on your own. He'll never leave you and he will never forsake you. It is a powerful thing to walk with him. You know what, I'm, I'm saved 30 years now. And, and I tell you, when you step into what God has for you, you have an enemy. And then the enemy comes to stop you from doing what God's called you to do. But I am telling you, I have, I have experienced, me and my wife have experienced in that. Billy could tell you story and story of experience with that. People may let you down at times, but I can tell you, Jesus will never, ever, ever let you down. But you have to turn to him. And you see, this is where David was. David was in a place where he lost, not completely, but he didn't have that same relationship with Jonathan that he once had. There was a few times Jonathan got him, even after David was on the run, and was able to talk to him and strengthen him, the Bible says. But it wasn't the way it should have been, or the way it could have been. And you know what? Saul was a jealous man, and he lost a man in David that would have fought for him all the days of Saul's life. But Saul couldn't see it because Saul was insecure. Because Saul was afraid of greatness in others. Think about that. I found this. We're the body of Christ and we all have strengths and weaknesses. I found this. We're the body of Christ and we all have different giftings. You may not do what I do, but I couldn't do what you do. And we need each other. You know what, sometimes even ministers do it. They're looking to go, I wish I could do what they can do. I do it because like, I'd be like, God, I, I, I can't do what Billy does. You know what, I see Billy up here the way he ministers and talks and, you know, and, and I love it. But you know what? Why not just receive from that? Amen? Do you know, if you want to see jealousy, there's more jealousy in, in ministry among ministers than anything else. Because, you know, it's like trying to be number one. Let me tell you, there's only one number one. His name is Jesus. Amen. We're all parts of the body and we're meant to minister one to another. Every joint supplies. And, you know, you have something to supply to the body of Christ. You have something to supply to this house. You know what? God brings you into a place to pour into you. But he pours into you. But then through time you realize there's stuff in you that's going to pour out. And God wants to pour into you, but he wants to pour out of you as well. 
And you know, David was in a place here where he's on his own. He really feels lonely. He's acting mad. He's going crazy. He's doing silly things. But then he gets to a place called Cave Adullam. And Cave Adullam is like a type of the local church. And I tell you, the church is a place to make you great in the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's what church is for. See, whenever I got saved, I came to God just like, you know, Billy shirt earlier. See that out there? That's the way I came in there. I came in an absolute mess in the church. I got saved on the inside. I was child of God. Everything else, a mess. But you know what I learned to come to church? You see, in church, you can have an encounter with God. And I found this here that in church, it's progressive. Salvation is instant. Change is progressive. It takes time. And you know what you change? You just change. You stay in, in underneath the Word of God. Stay in the presence of God. Stay being ministered to. Iron sharpens iron. Hang around with people in church and different things. You know what? You don't realize that there's edges being filed off. There's things being removed. And you know what? And you don't see it many times quickly. It takes time. But God works on you like in the potter's wheel whenever you come into church. And God is molding and shaping you into what He's called you to be. And it takes time. But I'm telling you, do you know, God is not in the business of, do you know, um, fast track in the sense of like McDonald's. God's more interested in, in, in pouring substance into you. It's not just a wee drive through and out the other side. God is in, in the business of molding and shaping people. And when David, you know, had, uh, went to this cave, the Bible lets us know that David had an encounter with God. And he wrote Psalms 111, Psalms 112, and Psalms 113. And he realized in that cave, here's what he realized, all I need is God. And if I have God, God can add everything else to me. Amen. Amen. All I need is to respect God. All I need is to put God first in my life. And when you put God first in your life, notice what happens, Psalms 112. Your seed will be mighty in the land. You realize God starts adding to you. Wealth and riches shall be in your house. God starts adding to you. Your heart will be fixed, trusting in the Lord. Your heart will be established. You'll become stable. No matter what comes against you, no matter what fear comes against you, God's putting something in you that's going to cause you to stand on your feet. And David went from a man who was dribbling down his beard and acting like a madman to being a champion. Amen. He already was a champion, but he lost sight of it. Church is a place where you find out who you are in Christ. Amen. You get refocused. Now, something wonderful happened at that cave, and that was... That a whole bunch of people, 400 plus people, come to David at the cave. You know what? Every pastor's dream, add to the church and the church grows. Praise the Lord. But you know what? They don't come ready made. They come a mess. They come like that. You know why? Because church is not for perfect people. Church is for people who need God. Amen. Amen. Churches for people who need God in their lives. And I'll tell you, we all need God every single day of our lives. 
Churches for people who, who have problems, have things going wrong in their life. These people, the Bible says, they came distressed. They came discontented. They came in debt. They came a mess. Coming to the cave. David's thinking, praise the Lord, here's people coming. Oh no, look at the state of them. <laughs> huh? Sometimes you go from the palace to the cave. But here's the thing. Everybody needs that cave experience in their life where you realize all you need is God. Some people don't have to go through what David went through. Some people just learn it by wisdom and are just smart enough to realize, I don't have it all together, God, I need you. Amen. Don't be a Christian that has to hit rock bottom and then until you come back to church. Be smart and realize, I need you every day, God. Stay in church. God is more in the business of growing people than just, you know, fast production. Even in our church world. You know, in our church world, you know, it happens a lot. Maybe not in our, in our country the same, but you know what, in other countries it happens. You know what, if, if there's a great praise and worship leader in a church, it's nearly like they send a scout out to go and offer them money to come to their church. Instead of growing praise and worship. Because it's easier bought. But I'm telling you the real thing. The real thing takes time to grow and develop. And to get character. And all of those kind of things. Amen. It's like you know you see young Nathan here. You know standing alongside Billy and playing. You know he's young. You know he'll need guidance in his life. He needs that guidance. You know because he's young. He's got wonderful potential, but he still needs guidance in his life. And you know what? Well, with that guidance and hanging around the anointing, you know what? He, he grew up and go on and do great things. Amen. But you know what? You learn how to praise God as a true worshiper, not as a performer. You learn to be around people who love Jesus. And you know what? Then it rubs off. And you know what? That takes time in people's lives. You know what, there's a lot of things are taught. There's a lot of things are caught as well. And that means hang around the anointing. And so these people, they came to David and they came a mess. But I want you to know, David may have lost a friend, but it didn't stop David from going on and being great himself. And not alone being great himself, but then raising up greatness. Amen. Amen. He raised up greatness. And you know what, David raised up out of this mad bunch of lunatics. He raised up mighty men. Amen. Amen. Men know there's mighty men. There's also mighty women in the Word of God as well. Praise Praise the Lord. It's always the men. Praise God for men and women. Amen. Amen. Praise God for mighty men and women. the, The Bible's full of women. The Bible's full of mighty women. One of my favorite is a woman called Jael. Over in Judges chapter 4. She was, she was mad. She was crazy. Thank God for crazy people for Jesus. Amen. Wild. Her name means a wild goat. <laughs> you're talking to a wild goat. That's what you want to say when you're... <laughs> a wild woman for Jesus. You know, it was a lady in one of the churches that we go to. And you know what? Um, I was just praying over one day for something that was happening with her life. And I just prayed over that, you know, that you're a wild goat. 
But it's going to just bust out laughing because she knew exactly what it was. A wild goat. I'd been praying over her. I'd prayed over her just for something that was happening in church. And we're releasing her into something at the time. But I, I was praying that you're like JL, where you're, as, you're wild for the things of God. You're not afraid to go for it. But on the other side, you're like Phoebe, who is trustworthy. You could trust you with anything. What a combination. Character and a spiritual psycho. You can't beat that. <laughs> and man, we need some spiritual psychos. Some crazy people that are crazy for God. Amen. Amen. You know, and you know, let me say this here. Let me see if I've got enough time to get myself in trouble. Amen. <laughs> no, let me just say this here. But you know what? Like with women, you know, thank God for women that love Jesus. You know, I, I've been around long enough to see some crazy women in the wrong way in the move of God. Praise the Lord. Amen. Is that, start that car, will you, honey, there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I, I've seen some crazy women. Do you know what? We, we had a situation. I, I, I was young in the Lord at the time, but I observed this here. I, was, I, was, uh, and, and I wasn't in leadership or anything at the time, but I was, I was able to observe. I remember a, a, a lady came into a church circle that I was in. And, you know what, and it's amazing how many times women are crazy. They come in, they want to be prophetesses. They all seem to want to be a prophetess. I'm a prophetess. You know what, they don't want to read from the Bible. They want to tell you their dream or their vision or something. You know what I mean? I had a vision last night. Well, I had a weird dream the all night as well. I had a dream the all night where there was clouds and everything coming. And in the dream, I could see it was like a demonic thing and all the rest of it. You know, I didn't wake up and write it down, you know, because it was just a dream. Like, I mean, I, I get up and get into the Word. But then there is times when God can give people stuff like that and all. But, you know, it's amazing. Some people come, you know, I had a dream. Praise the Lord. Let me just prophesy over you this morning. Do you know what? I seen an eagle. And I seen an eagle in the clouds. And you know what? And then it started flopping his wings. And the clouds all went and the sun came out. And what does that mean? I don't know. Did you eat pizza before you went to bed? I don't know. Don't ask me what your dream meant. I don't know what your dream meant. You know what? God can, there's times whenever people do have dreams and God can show you if it is something that's real or whatever. You know what? So, so what do you think? Oh, man, I don't know. But, you know, sometimes people just come out with, and, and I'm not discrediting that. God gives visions and dreams. But here's the thing. If you have a vision and a dream from God, you don't need to come and ask me what it is. You'll know. Yes, exactly. Amen. You'll know what it is. Because I could just make up something. I don't know, unless God showed me something specifically. Okay? But then, here's what happens. These people, I observed it. I've seen it several times over the years. They come and then they want to get close to the pastor. And then they start telling the pastor, God sent me to, to, um, to, to be your prophetess, to speak into your life. And then they start wanting to control their life. I listened to a pastor from America, a great pastor that I love, and he, he said that any, any setting that he ever seen that happen in had done damage. It never added. And he always said this, they call themselves a prophet, but they're actually a loss. Okay? <laughs> There's true prophets. There's true people who prophesy. I tell you, every prophet I ever, I ever loved and recognized, they, first of all, honored the Word of God. They were first and foremost a preacher of God's Word. Amen? Amen. Cats out, carrots out. <laughs> I've seen it. Here's what would happen. 
during, during worship, they'd be sitting. And then all of a sudden they'd jump up and start dancing and then they'd be sitting. And then they'd jump up and be dancing. All to draw attention to them. Let me tell you, worship is where we worship Jesus. Amen. Don't come giving me a prophecy in worship. I have one for you as well. Go and worship God. Yeah. And worship, I'm here to worship Him. I'm not here for you, you're wigging in my ear. Amen. Amen. I'm here to worship God. I'm, not, I'm here to focus on Jesus. He gets the glory this morning. When I come, I'm ministering. When I come to worship, I come to worship. I'm here to lift up my hands and enter in. I get in the flow of what God is doing in the service. Amen. I flow with Him. Worship is for Jesus and Jesus alone. When worship is on, I'm not interested in the conversation. I want to worship Him. Amen. What is so important that you can't tell me after the service? And even in, 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 in Corinthians, when it talks about giving um, words and different things like that, you, the Bible lets you know that you can hold it. Some people say, I can't hold it, it's the Holy Ghost. Well, if you can't hold it, it's not the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen? Amen. I'll tell you, there's one person to be magnified in every service, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And then that same individual, know what they started doing, then going around telling people, you, God told me you're to marry that person and you're to marry that person. Never marry somebody because of a prophecy. They're going to be out of town and you're going to be stuck with a person. <laughs> Amen. That's not what it's about. Praise God. It is not about drawing attention to self. But this woman, JL, I mean, praise the Lord. Ah, well, we'll go for an old one. There's an old person in um, one of the churches where I went to. She never liked... She, oh, I tell you, <laughs> my pastor at the time said to me, Paul, she just does not like you. I says, why? She says, you doesn't do that with anybody else. But every time you preach, you just hit something in that woman that drives her mad. And this woman, she just tried to control the whole service. She would let everybody know. She would, if I said something, she'd turn around to everybody. That is no word of a lie. And then if I said something, you like, amen, everybody, amen, amen. Know where everybody was watching her and not listening to what the Word said. It's all about Jesus. Everything, when it comes back to it, should be elevating Jesus. Amen. Amen. But I tell you, Jael, she was a psycho. She was a psycho for God. There was an enemy called Sisera, and... If you read the story, but she, she got him all relaxed and, you know, got him like a wee hot cup of tea and all. And he fell asleep. And when he fell asleep, she stuck a peg through his head. This was a woman who didn't mess with the enemy. This was a woman who knew to how to take out the enemy. Amen. And I tell you, we need people that are like that. People who love the move of God. People who, who pray for their family. People who pray for their kids. Mothers who love their family. Amen. Mothers who are uh, uh, passionate about the move of God. Passionate about the up and coming generation. Passionate about the kids. And will defend and protect them. Amen. Will be hungry to teach them the word of God and different things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Um, Mighty woman. You can look um, in Romans chapter 16. There's a list of women that is given in Romans chapter 16. 
all people who were laborers in the move of God and all of those kind of things. Mighty women of God, amen? amen. But David had mighty men. He had one guy, and he, um, he, he killed 300 people, and he was an even top dog. One guy who done that. There was another guy, and he took out, um, the Bible lets into it, he took out two lion kind of men. It meant they were fierce, they were ferocious, they were real warriors. He took them out. Then he jumped in a pit on a snowy day, took out an actual lion, and then he took out a, like a, 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 a monster off a man from Egypt. This was a warrior. It talks about these people. Then it talks about another mighty man that he had. And this man, he held on to his sword that much whenever he was fighting that the Bible says like his hand welded to the sword. Let me tell you what we need to be in the move of God. We hold fast to the things of God. We don't let the enemy take anything. But then there was another guy. You can read this in David's Mighty Man. And he is my favorite. Because he stood in a, a lentil patch. And the enemy came, and he went, you're getting nothing. It was like saying, you're not getting my pot noodle. <laughs> That's what it was like saying. You're not getting my pot noodle. And you know what, as a believer, you have to have that attitude in life where the devil is not going to be able to take anything from you. Where he's not going to get your joy. Where he's not going to get your peace. Where he's not going to get you to a place of your, you know, an offense or bitterness or anything like that. To where you're going to walk in love. You see, our fight today is not with flesh and blood. Let me tell you, as I said earlier, the greatest fight you will have is in between your ears. Amen? The greatest fight is where, you, where, where someone comes against you and you go, Lord, I want to rip their head off, but Lord, give me the strength to love them. And you go up and you say, you know, I love you. I love you. You know what? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. Do you know that's, that's a major fight? Amen? But I'm telling you, do you know what David ended up with? Mighty men. Amen. Let me tell you what I see God doing in here. I see God raising up a dream team. That's what I see. I see God doing great things in this house. I see God raising up people. You know what, I, I watch Wallace there, Wallace and Pamela. I've known Wallace for years. Me and Wallace went to church together for years and years and years and years. I'm telling you, I'm so excited to see what God's doing in Wallace's life. A man full of the Word. A man who loves people. A man who has been faithful to the things of God. What a, a real blessing to the move of God. And then, do you know what God's added to him? Wonderful wife, psycho. Um, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. I've seen God add, add to, to Wallace's life. And I see the things that they're doing now and the things of God. Like it, I tell you, it does my heart good. You know, seeing what God's doing in their lives. But you know what? It's, it's like Billy's mighty men, mighty women. It's not that Billy wants to be center of it. But you know what? Someone has to be the orchestra leader, the conductor, so to speak. But I, I tell you, but you know what? Billy is, is, to me, Billy's one of the key people in the move of God. 
He's, he's, he's years of experience. He has, Billy can tell you stories from the cave. Billy can tell you stories of knowing God, it's just me and you. There's a love relationship there, it's deep. There's a relationship with Jesus there. But praise God, I'm so encouraged to see what God's doing. I'm so encouraged to see so many people in here this morning. Amen. So many new faces, people that are being added. Let me tell you, you just stay in the potter's wheel and you see what God will have for you in the future. You may come in one way, but I'm telling you, there's, mighty, there's a mighty man or a mighty woman in you. And if you stay connected in the house of God, the house of God is a place to draw out the potential that is in you. Amen. The Bible lets us know that God puts plans, dreams, counsel, different things on the inside of us. But it says it takes a man of understanding to reach in and to pull it out. I had a man in my life who reached in and pulled out the gifts and the callings in my life because I was a set underneath his ministry. And I allowed an anointed man, an anointed David, so to speak, in my life to pull out the gifts and the callings in my life, to be able to talk to me, minister, help me, share wisdom, minister, even sometimes telling me it's going the wrong direction. Tell me, you know, don't do it that way or whatever. And to stay close in that environment. But because you know what? It brings the potential out of you. Amen. It's like, you know, Dazzy down there, he does, the, he does the boxing. He can see potential in people that they can't see in themselves about you as a boxer. Because you see it. And sometimes they don't see it. But you know what? If they listen to him, because he's been that road, he's done it now as a, an instructor, he can draw the potential out of people. Let me tell you, mighty men and women are developed. Praise God. But God provides a place for it. It's ultimately, it's Jesus. It's through the Holy Ghost. But I'm telling you, God puts you in a place to draw the potential and the ability out of you. Amen. Amen. And be a person that's planted. Don't be a pot. Be a person that's planted. A pot, you know, you lift it and you move it about everywhere. And that doesn't mean to say you can't go other places. But I'm telling you, I've learned over the years, you want to grow and be all God's called you to be is those that are planted in the house of the Lord. They'll flourish. Amen? You'll grow and flourish. Plant yourself by the rivers of water. Your leaf will not wither. You'll always produce fruit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. This is a house full of potential. Full of potential. There's mighty men and women in this house that are going to do great things in this land, that are going to do great things in this area. And you may look at yourself and say, who, me? You need to start seeing yourself the way God sees you. Who was it? Was it Michelangelo whenever he would get a... Was it Michelangelo, the sculptor? Is that who it was? Does anybody know? You know he knew the painters earlier. <laughs> but when he would get a, a, a block of marble, he already seen the image in it. And all he did was start chipping away because he had an image of it. 
That's what God does. God already sees you the way he sees you. Amen. And you let him work that out. But I'm telling you, there's greatness. Don't limit what God can do in your life. Amen. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. I thank you for everyone, Lord God, here this morning. Lord, I thank you for the greatness that you see. We're in Christ. We've all been called. Lord, I thank you for that other great woman in Esther who was called for such a time as this, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, we've been called for such a time as this, Lord. Lord, we praise you. We love you. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we are people who want to be mighty in your kingdom, Lord. Not for our glory, for yours. Lord, that you can take train racks, car racks. You can take people that have been misused, abused, mistreated, bent out of shape. Emotions hurt, bruised, scarred. Bodies that have been hurt through abuse, substance abuse. And all of those kind of things. And Lord, we come to you. And you're the master of turning lives around, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that we are trophies of the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we won't let anything prevent us from being what you've called us to be, people's opinions. How people see us based on our past. Lord, we'll see us based on how you see us in the present. As the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So it's children of the Most High God, Lord. Lord, I thank you that this house is a place where people can come and be changed and transformed by the grace and the glory of God. To be trophies. To be ornaments. To be models of the kingdom of God, Lord. That others can look to and say, look what the Lord has done for them. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Thank you, Lord God, for the people like Mary Magdalene, who came a mess. But Lord, was the first person to declare the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Praise you, Lord. Thank you for women like at the well, who were misused and abused by people. But Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you were the one who loved that woman and turned that woman into a, a voice to her old community of the grace of God, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we'll be trophies for you. Lord, we give you what we have. There's not much, but Lord God, I thank you what you have to give to us is amazing, Lord. Lord, we love you this morning. We give you glory. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. 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 Praise God.